everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour as the Eagles have gotten their 2021 draft picks, and we have a schedule for the biggest season ever in the NFL, a 17-game schedule for the Philadelphia Eagles. We will discuss both the draft and the schedule. As I'm your host, LG Harrell, and as always, my co-host is Connor Donald. Connor, I can't wait. Rookie camp is taking place. We have a schedule. We know who they're playing, when they're playing. We know the new draft picks. We know what this team is sort of kind of going to look like. Uh, it's exciting because we're getting we're getting closer and closer to football. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is this is one of my favorite times of the year. Is just breaking down this stuff, talking about the players, and just you know overall having the smell of football back in the air like you saw the first images and videos of Devonta Smith yesterday and stuff and, and that, that just gets you so excited just to know like you know how he did something right how he made a good pick there's things to get hopefully. excited about <laughs> hopefully hopefully but I mean that's what everyone was crying for and, and anytime you can jump the Giants and have Giants fans flipping out because they took uh, an inferior player in Kadarius Tony and like mm-hmm. I just love it. After oh, we what are the Cowboys talk, did to us last year, this this just felt right. We are going to talk about the Giants because we're living rent-free in the, in the Giants' heads. Um, going back to week, week uh, 17 last year when we quote-unquote tanked the game and they, and if we would have won, the Giants would have went to the playoffs. Well, you know what? If you want to go to the playoffs, win more than six games. That's all I got to say about that. But, yeah, we, we'll talk about that, um, how, to, how the pity party that's going down uh, in, in Jersey – um, but first, before we get to the draft pick, the big news, I think, coming out is come September 19th, because that's technically the Eagles' first home game, the link will be 100% filled, and I can't wait for the images. Darius Slay getting his first um, you know, taste of what the link is like when it's at 100% capacity. Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts under center. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. The San Francisco 49ers coming to town, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance under center, they're not going to know what hit them with the force that will be coming from the fan base of the Philadelphia Eagles. It is going to be exciting. I know that the Phillies um, next month are going to, you know, the, the series against the Yankees, they're going to have hundred percent capacity. It's, it's not the same at, from a base. When you go from, when you have hundred percent capacity at a baseball game compared to a football game, the atmosphere at a football game is awesome. It's unlike anything you've ever seen and i can't wait for the link to be rocking again yeah i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be huge i mean there's a lot of new players new faces on teams who have never experienced any type of home crowd like you think about stefan diggs in buffalo you think about jalen hurts here in philadelphia um darius slay like there's a lot of people who just straight up haven't experienced what this is like and it's going to be a whole different year like and people we people feed off the play, players feed off of that fans feed off of the game it just makes the game of football just that much better that much more intriguing that much more like just overall it just boosts the game exactly and if you think about it the rams chargers and the, the vegas raiders had no fans at all so you know sunday night football Monday Night Football um, are the games that are happening in um, L.A. and Vegas. It's going to be the first time fans have ever stepped foot into those stadiums. So, like, it's going to be amazing. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk, when we get to the Eagles schedule, we'll talk about that Vegas trip. But, like, 
you know, that space shuttle that they have in Vegas, that, that stadium is going to be amazing. And it's going to be filled with fans, you know, regardless if they're all Raiders fans or if it's a mix of Raiders and Ravens fans week one, it doesn't matter. Just having fans back in the stadiums and new stadiums that nobody's had a chance, you know, to see the SoFi Stadium out in, out in L.A. for the Rams and the Chargers, you know, it is going to be amazing just to have that back. And and you're right, you know, whether it's Stefan Diggs or whether it's Darius Slay, whether it's the Rams and Chargers and Raiders, like it's it, it doesn't matter, but it's going to be great to just have that atmosphere back in, in, in an NFL game. Absolutely. I, I definitely can't wait. And it's it's all getting started finally. Everything's getting started. And I mean, at the end of the day, whether they end up having the train, the training camps and gathering for the training camps or not, you know that they're going to be doing work behind the scenes. You know that there's going to be media frenzy. You know, you know that football's going to be in the air, whether or not they do, whether or not the team meets and gathers or not. But, like, mm-hmm. there's just so much to get excited about. The Yurts rumors are still swirling. Jalen Hurts is getting the opportunity he, he damn well deserves. And he's... Even though they're not naming him the starter. <laughs> not yet, obviously. But they which, also, I have no, which I have no problem with, by the way. All these people, the Joe Gillios are coming out and saying, well, the Eagles should name it. No, you don't need... Actually, I don't think Joe Gillio is saying it. Other people are saying it. Like that, they should name him the starter, show confidence in him. I don't think that has anything to do with it. This is a brand new coaching staff. They did not draft Jalen Hurts. They don't have to be 100% committed to him right now. We don't know what the offense is going to look like. We don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to be able to run the offense. But at least when they get into, if they go to voluntary camp in a couple weeks, who knows if if they will. We, we, We know that some... As of right now, the Eagles said they aren't going, but, you know, things could change between now and then. Um, but, like, you don't have to be like, all right, you're, you're, a, you're a starter. We're just going to give it to you right now. I don't. I, I have zero issue with the Eagles not being 100% or giving him or giving Hurts the starting job right now without anybody, you know, competing for it, which is uh, Nick Sirianni's favorite word. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, you don't see San Francisco committing to Trey Lance. There's no, there's no big deal being made there. You don't see. Um, That's a rookie. You don't see Justin, but it's a, it's the same concept. The draft capital invested in them should mean that you're making the commitment. Obviously, in my opinion, not in so. year one per se. Like, I mean, I know it's different because in the past, usually like rookie quarterbacks would have sit a season, and it's different now. Rookie like. Trevor Lawrence is going to come in. They don't really have a quarterback on that roster. Um, You know, when it comes to San Francisco, is Trey Lance better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably. But Jimmy Garoppolo still has, or excuse me, Trey Lance still has to learn that San Francisco system. So who knows? Maybe by week five, week six, Trey Lance would be the starter in San Fran. But I do think it'll be Jimmy Garoppolo unless they trade him. You know, when it comes to Chicago, they paid, they still have Nick Foles under contract for, what, $9 million dollars. Um, they, they, paid Andy Andy, Dalton they paid Andy Dalton. They paid Andy Dalton. So, and look, they didn't. I don't. I don't think they thought that they were going to be able to get Justin Fields. And again, I'm not a big Justin Fields fan. So, I, and I don't think he's going to be that good in the NFL. Obviously, time will tell. Uh, but so, like, I again, I have no issue with teams like not giving the the keys to the team to these young quarterbacks right off the bat. Let them earn it. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely agree. I can definitely see see both ways to that. But I just think at this point in the season, I actually agree with Nick Sirianni in the way that he literally just 
took the team over and he's expecting all the starters to be named from day one like we sh- there sh- that should not be the expectation and yeah. just, but in philadelphia it's the expectation it's like well if you don't give him the stern job it's you're not giving him the boat of confidence that he needs to go out and do the job properly jamie newman and joe flacco are no reason for jalen hurts to be shaken in his boots or be worried that his starting job is not safe. Yeah, Justin Eagles would have drafted Justin Fields there. There was or something. That, yeah, there was people that if they really wanted to, if they were like, oh, we don't have, we don't trust Jalen Hurts, and they were the ones who traded up to, I think it was what, what was it, nine or ten to get yeah. Justin Fields, or they could have went Mac Jones, or they could have done any combination of things if they really wanted to create uh, an atmosphere of competition. But instead, they went a UDFA and a washed-up Joe Flacco. I don't think there's any reason for Jalen Hurts to be feel threatened or feel like his he doesn't have the job. And I think he feels he has a vote of confidence because he's already gathering with the wide receivers and working on the offense and getting prepared. That's a starter. That's a leader. That's a guy who doesn't need to be named a starter. That's just something the media needs or else they it just allows him to create this wave of speculation. And also, Hertz was through so much at Alabama that, like, he's not going to let any of this face him. So I have no issue with, you know, once he is, um, you know, named the, the week one starter. Because obviously a lot of things can happen between now and September 12th. Like, he, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, like, he get he get injured. And then all this talk of him being the starting quarterback week one, like, that goes out the window. So we'll, we'll definitely – that's something that we definitely will talk about, you know, as we go through the summer leading up to, to week one. All right, so let's go. It's been a couple weeks um, with Mother's Day last week. We, we didn't get an opportunity to talk about the, the Eagles 2021 draft. Um, they made nine selections. They made a couple of trades to, to get picks in next year's um, draft. They have two guaranteed first rounders right now with the possibility of having three first rounders next year. If the Colts make the playoffs and, and Foles, or excuse me, Wentz plays 70% of the snaps or he plays 75% of the snaps. So the Eagles, in round one, they traded up with Dallas, of all teams, to draft Devontae Smith um, out of Alabama ahead of the Giants. And then in round two, they went with Landon Dickerson, um, who could play center, guard. He's played all five positions along the offensive line. He's also out of Alabama. All the talk of how he not and the Eagles not drafting anybody out of, Alabama, out of Alabama, and their first two picks were out of Alabama, obviously. Round three, the Eagles went, and this was the controversial, as everybody saw the video. They traded back from 70 to 73, or 71 to 73, something like that. Excuse me, it was yeah, and 70 to 73, and they took Milton Williams, defensive tackle out of a uh, defensive tackle out of Louisiana Tech, who is being compared to, and I'm not calling him this person, but he's being compared to Aaron Donald. So we could see what he does playing next to Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargraves. In round four, the Eagles took their only corner, which I think was the biggest surprise, Zach McPherson out of Texas Tech. And taking corners out of the the Big 12 uh, might not be the best of choices, but we'll see how McPherson – there was a lot of talk of him being one of the steals of the draft. In round five, the Eagles took probably the biggest steal of the – one of the biggest steals of the draft. And Kenneth Gainwell, running back out of Memphis, and I think he's going to be a really good complement to Miles Sanders, and then we'll also talk about Carrion Johnson, who the Eagles uh, picked up. In round six, they took Marlon Tupolotu, I'm really bad with these names, the defensive tackle out of USC, and in rounds, they had three six-round picks, so the other two around six were 
Teron Jackson, the defensive end out of Coastal Carolina, the, the all-time leading sack getter at Coastal Carolina. And in their last pick in the sixth round, they took Jacoby Stevens, who played safety at LSU. They announced him as a linebacker, so we'll see uh, where Stevens plays. He'll probably be a hybrid. And in the seventh round, with pick 234, they took Patrick Johnson, who played defensive end at Tulane. They, they announced him as a linebacker. So the Eagles showing that they still don't value the linebacker position by drafting players out of position and moving them to linebacker. So we'll see how, how that goes with this new defensive coaching staff. But, you know, when you – at the end of the draft, Connor, when you saw all the names, what jumped out at, at, at you the most for the Philadelphia Eagles? I think the name that jumped out to me the most was um, – well, there was Zach McPherson was a big one because I had no clue who he was. So I had to dig into him and stuff. So that kind of the name surprised me at the cornerback position, considering who they passed up. But I understood mm-hmm. it was either Sertan or it was Devonta Smith. It was 1A, 1B in their mind. And when Sertan went and there was rumors that they were negotiating with Denver, that that was the, the be all end all. They knew that they weren't going to get who they wanted from the at the top of the cornerback class. And it's a deep enough class that they could take the shots. And like you said, I've actually read similar things that he may be a steal. He's a pretty solid cornerback. He's got the size to play outside, probably has the ability to boot a guy like Avante Maddox off the outside and into the nickel where he belongs. And then him and Darius say can man the outside. Um, but I think the biggest shock to me because Devonta Smith was not a shock. Landon Dickerson was not a shock. I, I've been saying it most of this offseason. It had to be Dickerson or Humphrey there because we had to cover our ass for the retirement of Jason Kelsey. And I think the biggest shock to me was Kenneth Gainwell. I didn't think we'd get that name in round five. Like, I was just when exactly what you said it, it it's coming off as a steal people didn't think he would drop but a big thing that that they said about the draft was um there's a lot of people who want it they wanted to see the people there's a lot of people who dropped in the draft because they either opted out or they didn't do the senior bowl and the senior bowl had its highest amount of people actually get drafted this year, which is amazing. It just goes to show how badly they wanted to see the players and get the maximum amount of tape that they possibly could. And as we know, Kenneth Gainwell opted out of the 2020 season and did not play. Um, So he was one of those guys who probably slid because of that. But like you said, he is a tremendous compliment because Miles Sanders had a really good rookie season as a pass catcher I think his his receiving percentage was close to 80 percent and then he dropped to I think it was 57 percent this past year and had struggled mightily with drops there was a ton of drops for him and Kenneth Gainwell is arguably the best pass catching back coming out of this class so obviously you know what they're doing there Miles Sanders is becoming you know when we there was Jordan Howard and there was Miles Sanders we thought Miles Sanders was a lightning and Jordan Howard was a thunder. Now I think it's starting to be more like Kenneth Gainwell is going to be the lightning and Miles Sanders is going to be the thunder because they're going to use Miles Sanders predominantly as a running back and Kenneth Gainwell as a receiving back weapon that can be moved across the uh, formation. Yeah, I agree with you. And it looks like the Eagles are going to try to revamp that running back room. Obviously, Miles Sanders being the starter. Um, and then last year, you know, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard coming in uh, later in the year. Um, I, I mean, with Gainwell, I, I believe Gainwell is going to make the team. Obviously, fifth-round pick isn't guaranteed, but I think he has a really good shot. And the pickup of Carrion Johnson, 
we know he had health health concerns in Detroit after hurting his knee, but like he has the opportunity. He was good at Auburn, really good at Auburn. And I think that he could be a, a compliment to both Sanders and Gainwell. So, you know, this running back room definitely could take a step forward. You know, if, if Miles Sanders, he's they're going to run the ball a lot more, I, I believe, under Sirianni than they did under Doug Peterson. So you, you, you give the ball to um, Sanders, and then you have that gain well on third down, even though we know Sanders is a three-down back. But sometimes he, he needs to, to be relieved every once in a while. And then, you know, so you bring in a gain well. But then carry on Johnson. I, I, am, I was intrigued. When I saw that we picked him up, I was like, I, I was like, okay, with a question mark. But then I was, after thinking about it, I'm like, this makes sense. You know, Boston Scott, again, plays good against one team. And I don't care. We, we have other people on the team that can return kicks. I don't like him returning kicks. He, he, does, he makes dumb decisions, just like Greg Ward on punts makes dumb decisions. So, like, we have other people now on, on the roster that, that are able to do that. So, like, if Boston Scott doesn't make the team, I'm not going to cry a river. Like, and Jordan Howard was really never guaranteed to make the team. So, I think this kind of guarantees that we can have two new running backs you know, on the roster and it improves our running back room. Yeah. I think the big thing with carry on Johnson is this is taking this offense, at least his running back room is taking a very similar approach and very similar look to what the Indianapolis Colts did. Uh, Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni with that three headed monster that they had with Wilkins and Taylor and Hines and carry on John. Like if there's one thing that we, kind of know about Nick Sirianni's offense everyone plays a very specific role and carry on Johnson was a top three pass blocker last season at the position so he's a really good blocker so he's a guy who's probably going to have a very specific role but he can definitely stand out above that role if he gets the opportunity and he makes plays like I think Miles Sanders carry on Johnson and Kenneth Gainwell are my locks at running back and then it's got to be Boston Scott and Jordan Howard really really got to prove themselves in camp because neither of them are that heavily invested in although I do believe Boston Scott's contract's fully guaranteed um I would say Boston Scott would be the fourth back that cut makes the cut because there's less investment in Jordan Howard but I think that Kieran Johnson comes with that very specific role of you you were you're a really good running back but you're a really good pass blocker we want you as that but that doesn't mean that you can't stand out and prove yourself even more as we know injuries were his demise in Detroit and Detroit opted to go the direction of DeAndre Swift a couple years back and or last year and and that's the difference maker Karen Johnson the room just wasn't big enough for him and they cut him and saved some money and we got him on the on a Cheap contract, probably similar price to Jordan Howard. So at the end of the day, for me, you have some really good complimentary pieces working in that running back room that we never saw before. Yeah, I agree with you. And throughout the draft, we actually received some questions, which is awesome, um, that, that we kind of want to address as we go through looking at the draft picks. Um, and we know that in the second round, the Eagles took Landon Dickerson, which was kind of controversial because of his injury history. <coughs> Excuse me. And him coming off of, a, off of an ACL um, in the semifinal game at Alabama. Um, one of, and one of the questions we got in the second round when the Eagles drafted Landon Dickerson, do you feel like it would have made more sense to take an immediate need somewhere else rather than drafting a changing of the guard at center for next season, talking about the 2022 season? How would you answer that question? Again, uh, you can go first, and then and I'll kind of give my, my thoughts on it. 
I'm going to say this is an immediate need. We've kicked the can down the road with Jason Kelsey so much now that next year, whether he's on the roster or not, we owe the man $15 million because Jason Kelsey has kept giving Howie an opportunity. Do you want to draft my replacement? Get my replacement. Jason Kelsey is doing Howie a favor. I think he wanted to retire this year, and he didn't. He did him a favor. We landed. We had to land Landon Dickerson or Creed Humphrey. I've only been saying it for the entirety of the offseason. The interior offensive line class was good, but you want that immediate guy you know. Like, I loved Quinn Miners just as much as anyone, but he played more at guard, and he only played center for the senior bowl. So what was he actually going to be as a center? And Landon Dickerson could fill an immediate role because look at the position of the left side of the line right now. Is it going to be is it going to be Jordan Mailata who starts left tackle? Is it going to be Andre Dillard? Andre Dillard didn't want to work for the team and try and work on the right side last season, or or well, presumably we before the injury there was a request for him to move to the right side. He didn't want to do it for the team. So Landon Dickerson fits into that mold because he can play guard and he can play center and he can play them extremely effectively. Um, So if Andre Diller does want to move into left guard, that could mean Landon Dickerson slides in there. If there's an injury, he can slide in there because as we know, Isaac Samalu's there, uh, Brandon Brooks is there and Jason Kelsey's there. Jason Kelsey, we've never had to worry about the injury history, but like, Last season, we rolled out, what was it, 14 different offensive lines in 16 Mm -hmm. games. So Mm -hmm. Landon Dickerson, I think that's an immediate need. If you don't think that the need to prepare for the changing of the guy, because let's be honest here, we're not contending this year. I don't think we're contending well, this year. I know there's a lot of articles, like, hear me up. I know there's a lot of articles that are starting to try and, you know, the usual, create this happy picture. Look at this. Look at the opportunity here. Look at this. Look at this. But let's be honest. We're not competing with the LA Rams. We're not competing with, we can compete in the NFC East. Yeah, yes. that's where they're competing. That's where they're we competing can compete. For the but the once division. you're in the playoffs, I don't think we're competing with if Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers, you know, the LA Rams. You know, the San Francisco 49ers. The NFC is top heavy, and we would have be running a gauntlet to get through the playoffs. Um, so for me, this is an immediate need because it immediately addresses the Jason Kelsey retirement, which I is likely to happen after this year. What other immediate need would you have went with there? When you look at how the board was falling, every a lot of the names that people really, really wanted at pick 37 – didn't end up sliding there. They ended up going pretty quickly, bang, 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 at the top of the second round. So this just made sense. Dickerson or Humphrey, it just made too much sense. And I love Humphrey. You know me. I think that the injury history isn't there. The stability's there. But he's not as agile. He's not as quick. He can't get to the second level like Landon Dickerson can. Landon Dickerson, to me, just seems to fit the Jason Kelsey mold. And if he can stay healthy, you just solidified the center position for another decade. You know, the one thing I, I saw, and, and, and I, again, I'm a big Landon Dickerson fan watching him at Alabama the last couple of years. But the one thing that I, the one person who I saw rave, rave about Landon Dickerson that sold me even more was Brian Baldinger. He loves Landon Dickerson. He doesn't think anybody is, is – he said that Landon Dickerson was the best offensive lineman that he studied since Quentin Nelson. And we know how good Quentin Nelson is with the Colts. And, that, like, that that sold me even more on Landon Dickerson. And you're right. If Isaac Sayamalu, you know, or, or if Brandon Brooks have an injury, we do we, – now we have depth along the offensive lines. 
because with Dickerson being able to play anywhere on the line, um, Jack Jerskill can play guard or tackle, you know, Mayalata or, or Dillard, whichever one doesn't start, you know, they'll be able to be the backup to whoever. Like, so there's now depth along the offensive line where, like last year when we when everybody kept getting hurt, we were like, all right, who's going to play right tackle against Chase Young week one? Like, it was just so many, or week two, whenever it was that we played Washington. It, it, it was just so, like, there were so many questions, but now I, I feel feel like we have that depth along the the offensive line. So I, and again, I telling you before, before the draft and, and while I didn't mock him to us because I didn't know if he would, if, if he was going to be a second or a third round pick, I w I was high on Landon Dickerson, you know, having the opportunity, um, you know, do his injury issues concern you maybe a little bit, but nobody's going to work his ass off harder than him. He, he's going to do what he could do to get back, you know, he was named the captain of the national champion, the only captain for the national championship game in Alabama. And he didn't play. Well, he played the last snap. That's how much respect people have for him, for his game, what he does on the field, the leadership that he provides. And he's going to be able, I believe, you know, seamlessly transition. The Eagles will be able to seamlessly transition from Jason Kelsey to Landon Dickerson, not only on the field, but the leadership in the locker room. And something that you had said about, you didn't think Kelsey wanted to come back this year. I actually disagree with that. He was on with Angelo Cataldi this week and just you could hear it in his voice. Like he loves the atmosphere of the, you know, being around the guys. So I think he actually did want to play this year. Now, obviously beyond that, we, we don't know, <clears throat> but I I'm glad he's back. And, and there's nobody else I would want Landon Dickerson to learn from than Jason Kelsey. Absolutely. And you know what? I think like, no matter how the outcome is, like, I get how good Isaac Samalu is. Or, well, we, yeah. I mean, he's he's decent, but, like, and this whatever the situation ends up being at left tackle, which I think it should be Jordan Mylotta over Andre Dillard, um, Landon Dickerson, I almost think, should slot in at left guard. Should be given the opportunity to play if beside Jason yeah. Kelly. Yeah, if he's healthy. Well, man, four months removed from this surgery, and he's doing – cartwheels at uh, <laughs> at pro days i think he's well on track to get there and he already tore his right acl so he knows the the whole process to getting better and how to quickly get better and stuff so i think this one he can more effectively come back from because once you've torn it one torn an acl once and went through the recovery process i feel like you know you know what to expect with the next process and you know your limitations and stuff but i do think that if healthy what better way to learn the center position than to just play literally beside Jason Kelsey for as many games as you possibly can instead of behind him play beside him. I think that's a great and Landon Dickerson. Like I think I tweeted it out a while ago. He played at least 50 plus snaps at every position. And I think it was center obviously where he played 1100 plus and it was right guard where he played 600 plus and I think left guard he played like 300 snaps there so you know he can play any of those positions you need him to play if any issues come up yep and he can get to the to the second level you know better than almost any of the linemen that came out um in this draft so uh it was a great a great get by by Howie in the second round um we had another question about everybody remembers that um in the third round after the, the, the Eagles traded, the, the fist bump heard around the world um, between um, the, um, excuse me, between Howie Roseman and Tom Donahue, the senior scout. 
And one of the other questions, uh, you know, so my buddy Dave was was sending, you know, questions in. He goes, he wants our thoughts on the War Room fist bump video. He's not buying that they want it, Alan, Alan McNeil, and that's it. He feels like they told Howie that Williams would be a bad pick, and he did it anyway. Nobody in the, the video looked encouraged except Howie. And we saw at the end, you know, after after he gave that fist bump to Donahue, Donahue said something, and Howie kind of was, like, looking at the TV perplexed. What are your thoughts on on, on what went down during that? Um. I don't, it, but immediate reaction was, oh no, here we go again. Yeah. Because that's obviously the immediate reaction. You can tell by reading lips that when Howie looks at, gets denied the fist bump, and then he looks at the TVs, is kind of like, what? Like, why? Like, why? Like, kind of, why are you mad? Like, you can kind of tell by reading lips, he's saying what and why. And, and, and to me, is Milton Williams a bad pick? No. We need depth at the tackle position. Could he have maybe been there later on? Like, usually you you have these reports emerge like, oh, this guy would have been there. This guy would have been there. Like with the Raiders report, there was a lot of teams that were going to draft Alex Leatherwood between pick 20 and 32. That The report emerged after the fact. So it's like, was Leatherwood a good pick? Was he your typical character pick by the Raiders? He was definitely the typical character pick, and the immediate reaction was, oh, great, here we go again, John Gruden. Um, but it's like, in this situation, there's nothing out there to say that anyone was reaching for Milton Williams, that Milton Williams was going to be grabbed by anybody else, like you would normally hear from some reports. But we definitely needed the depth behind the at the tackle position. And Milton Williams, he's a machine. He's got he's got a crazy engine. He, he pushes and pushes on every single play. And I think he he'll be great behind Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. And his um relative athletic score is really good. He's he's good to elite, which is impressive at the tackle position. Um, like you said, the comp is likely uh, a little over the top, but. Um, I mean, I guess we'll never know at this point. Was there other names that you could have taken at that spot? Yes. Did we need to get another tackle? Absolutely, because we literally had on contract, under contract at the time, Hassan Ridgeway, Ty McGill, and Raekwon Williams. Um, so it's tough to say. It's tough to say for me. For me, my immediate reaction was, "Oh no, here we go again," and and disappointment. And there were other names there. And I think at the time, I think Jabril Cox was still there, which was the name that I was looking at. And at the end of the day, he went Milton Williams, which if he lives up to the ceiling, which as we see from how we draft picks, they don't tend to hit the ceiling. Um, then it's well worth the investment in the third round. Otherwise, it's it's he's a depth piece stuck behind Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. Yeah, my my initial was reaction because well, after after I think at pick seventy one a corner got taken, and that was the initial thought for a lot of people was that Donahue wanted the corner because that's what we need. But then the reports came out that they they wanted the other defensive tackle because he may have fit the system better. I I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. And obviously get, they they love to build on the offensive and defensive lines and getting depth. Fletcher Cox isn't getting any younger. Um. So like who knows how many how many years he has. But like they also have that versatility 
that we have a lot of guys that can play inside and outside. So, so we get to see a different, a bunch of different, um, you know, combinations and, and getting after the quarterback. And again, we don't know the type of system that Gannon's going to play. We don't know. It's not probably not going to be the wide wide nine that Schwartz loved to play. So it'll definitely be interesting once we get into camp, once we get into preseason games, um, of seeing what the the defensive system is going to to look like. Um, we do have a couple more questions about you know the draft. So before we get to our overall grade, we all know that Howie is preserving himself longer by acquiring picks down the road, like the possibility of three first rounders next year. If Devontae Smith doesn't live up to the hype in year one, and the rest of the picks are if as if he as are excuse me, and the rest of the picks as if he as they were, and that video with the the fist bump, does the heat intensify more on Howie Roseman? And I'm gonna start and say probably not because him and Jeff Lurie are tied at the hip pretty much. I don't know how, I don't know why, but Jeff Lurie loves Howie Roseman and is. And Howie is going to keep spewing a bunch of BS to Flory to keep his job, to persevere. And, you know, he's going to acquire all these picks and be like, I have a plan. Let's see it out. Even if next year they go, you know, say they go to 2 and 15, he's going to be like, I have a plan. Let's see it out. And how, and honestly, I have no idea what would have to happen for Howie Roseman to get fired. For me, does he get any hotter? I don't think so because I like you base like you said he he basically is kind of kicking the can down the road and giving himself an additional couple of years. So if Devonta Smith doesn't pan out in his rookie season, which he's going to be given every opportunity to, he's a clear wide receiver one. He's a clear mm-hmm. alpha. Obviously, he's going to be like, well, we have to give him another year. You have to give him a second year. Not all rookies integrate right away. Landon Dickerson, that was a move made likely not with next year in mind, but with the next year in mind. Milton Williams was made as a depth pick, and Fletcher Cox isn't getting any younger. Javon Hargrave's, what, 27, 28 years old, too. So it's like, well, we got to wait and see it out. And like Zach McPherson, it's like as long as he can amalgamate into the outside cornerback role across from Darius Slay, that would probably be considered a hit and a success as long as he's not getting lit up for 100, 150 yards every game. It would probably be, exactly, would probably be considered a success story just in that way. So there's a lot of pieces here where it's like we gave Jalen Hurts the weapons. This was meant as a give Jalen Hurts the weapons. Landon Dickerson, I mean, obviously that may not be an immediate weapon, but you give him Devonta Smith and you give him a hybrid weapon like Kenneth Gainwell. It's like we're giving him the opportunity with a hopefully healthy offensive line that, you know, that we succeed that we see what we need to see at a hurts to say okay now instead of trading for deshaun watson or trading for russell wilson with these three first rounders we can take these three first rounders and continue to round out the rest of the team and um so i think he's definitely like you said he gave himself more time he gave himself at least another two years and unless it's a monumental like one in 16 2 and 15, 0 and 17 type of monumental failure. I don't see any firing or any change in player personnel decisions happening and how he will be around. I also think he has a built an excuse of if Jalen doesn't perform well, he can be like, well, let me go get my quarterback. And then we can see what the offense looks like with it. So 
he has so many built-in excuses that it's mind-blowing. I can't believe he'd have it be able to do that, though, because he drafted – am I not mistaken? I know, he but- drafted Wentz. He drafted Hurts. So now we're going to give him a shot at a third franchise well, he quarterback? But Lori will. I would not. I wouldn't have given him a shot at four coaches. After Chip, I would have been like, you're done. You're gone. Like – and and especially after Doug, I would have gotten rid of. But like he shouldn't have had this many opportunities to to still be the GM of the Eagles. That's it's kind of what it comes down to. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And and just I just want to laugh for a minute. How much does the Urban Meyer situation in in Jacksonville reek of a Chip Kelly situation happening there? I just kind of want to say that. Bringing in all his guys, bringing in his favorites, bringing in the staff he wants, the players he wants, managed. Oh, it gives me chills thinking about it. The 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 well, Chip Kelly I mean, memories. Most coaches are allowed to bring in their own staff and allowed to bring in guys Tim Tebow. The Tim I, well, Tebow look, move is what really tipped oh, the scales yeah, well, that, for me. And and Travis Etienne at, well, in the first round with the a defense that has holes, literally, I don't think you can name a position that isn't going to have a roster battle on the defensive side of the ball. Like, there's no locked-in players. Like, ooh, buddy, we'll, no. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, they can't – at least I don't think they can be as bad as they were, but we'll, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> so our last question that pertains to the draft. An overall grade for the draft class, and if you take Devontae Smith out, does it alter the grade a little or a lot? So you can give me your grade with the full class, and then, which it's tough because if you take the first rounder out of most teams, you're like, it, it's going to alter it. But does it, the, like, if you kind of look at the overall structure of the draft class, would, would it alter the grade without Devontae Smith? Um. It dep- so I did a I did a piece with Paul Bowman, one of the other writers at Sports Talk Philly, and we did our grades, and I believe I graded it out a B, if I'm not mistaken. And Devonta Smith, I said it was an A plus move, but I may I called it an A, but it could have been an A plus move if we didn't draft Jalen Rager the year before, if we didn't back to back years have to invest a first rounder in the wide receiver position. Home run with Devonta Smith, A plus pick, but it wasn't. And Landon Dickerson, I think, was an A minus. I gave it, but I wanted it to be an A. But the injuries are what got me at the. I think I put him A minus or B plus, but it was the injuries that made him dip when I wanted it to be higher. Um, but yeah, I gave it overall a B. Um, I was a bit. I'm a bit higher on some of those later names as like they're athletic monsters like Taron Jackson has the opportunity if they want to move on from Derek Barnett move Josh Sweat up Taron Jackson has the potential to be the next Josh Sweat like just following suit that next person in line um Milton Williams like like you said the comp is there it's a ridiculous comp definitely never going to happen with Aaron Donald but like you obviously there's some tools there's some skills that are going to translate and obviously you know at the tackle position you need to be willing to move bodies in and out obviously it's mm-hmm. not going to be such a focus on the front four anymore but obviously you still need to be able to keep fresh bodies out there to c- continue to create a lot of pressure um in the backfield so no matter and the what the front four will help the back four exactly big time hugely so like i'm a bit higher on them like i was more like you know c plus b minus b's where people are given like d's and stuff i was a little bit higher on them because i really liked the athletic scores that they were getting these guys are all good great or elite athletes like 
there's nothing to disappoint from the athletic metrics for these guys that they took. Um, I thought that he addressed a lot of the needs, a lot of the needs that I thought up front. I wish he would have addressed cornerback more, but that would have been at the sacrifice of like Devonta Smith. You know, mm-hmm. that game changer, it was Patrick Sertan. That game changing safe pick was was Patrick Sertan to get to or really J. address. Horn. Or J.C. Horn. It was one or the other. Those two were the sure thing, safe bets. I think and they went more higher. of the safer bet. But. And I think they went higher than how he thought they were going to go. I don't think the draft played out as, as how he thought it was going to go. Thought he, he thought more quarterbacks were going to go in the first 10 picks. And when Mac Jones and Justin Fields dropped, players that, that he thought were going to be there, yep, players that he thought were going to be there at 12 weren't there. And I think he kind of admitted that. Um, he, but you know, I do, he would, you do have to point out a bit of respect in the way that he traded back from six because he's like, Pitts won't be there and Chase won't be there. And so he kind of predicted that with it, like in the way, like when he justified the trade, when the just, when the justification came out and everyone was like, Oh, one of them's dropping for sure. You got to give him a bit of props there. Cause that's actually his best reading of the draft. I think was that if I stay at six, am I going to get these guys? I won't get the same value on draft night. I don't think if I don't pull the trigger here, this is an extra first rounder coming back in, in back to me. If I make this deal right here, right now. So I, I think, think that he was a still smart the same move. value. I do think he could have gotten the same da- value because there are dumb teams like the Chicago Bears that that you know want, probably would have wanted to move up like they did ended up doing with the Giants. Now I'm not saying that the Bears would have went from 19 to six, but I'm sure he he could have gotten somebody to move up. You know, if if the Dolphins really wanted Jalen Waddle, they, maybe they would have moved up. Um, on draft night and still giving up the same. Obviously, we won't know with hindsight being 2020. Um, my grade, I'm going to give the Eagles a B um, for a B plus for the overall. I mean, give give credit where credit. You know, you you, you made it. You, you made a trade with the devil um, with with Dallas and how he's not afraid to to move, make moves with anybody. And even uh, Dave Gettleman was asked about was about it. And he's like, how he mentioned how, how he called me and was like, hey. Would you have an issue making a trade with me? And Gettleman said, you know, if, if, if it's going to help out both sides of it, you know, if it's going to help me out as much as it's going to help you out, sure, I'll make a trade. So, like, how he does deserve credit with that. He doesn't care who he does business with. Um, he'll do business if, it, if, if it's going to be beneficial to, to the Eagles. And, and to look and at it, the return there, like it was a first and, and a third, which we had multiple thirds already. Yeah. When you look at the deal that was made with the Bears – where they gave up a future, I think they gave up a future first in that deal, if I'm not mistaken, or somebody the Bears did. did. Yeah, yeah, the, so Bears, the Bears did. So yeah, the Bears. Year, the, the next year, the Giants have two first round picks. Like apparently, if the Eagles would have stayed at 12 and the Giants would have taken um, Devontae Smith at 11, if if that's how it played out, the Eagles were going to trade with the Bears, getting pretty much the same package. And if you think about that, the Eagles would have had four first round picks next year, possibly three, three guaranteed with the potential to have four. And you would think the Bears aren't going to be very good. Eagles probably might not – may have, what, six, seven wins. We'll see. You never know. Like, the Miami, are they going to be a playoff team? You don't know. Like, that would have been potential of having three top 15 first-round picks next year if things would have played out that way. Obviously, we got Devontae Smith, and I'm happy we got Devontae Smith. You know, looking at the first day of uh, rookie camp, like, he's just so smooth in his route running. Catches everything with his hands. He doesn't use his body, which he really doesn't have much body. But, you know, that's a different story for a different day. 
But yeah, like he makes everything look easy out on the football field. Obviously, it was in shorts. Could be different when you put pads on and you have somebody jamming you. But it's going to be fun to watch Devontae Smith grow as a Philadelphia Eagle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like at the end of the day, people are concerned about the body uh, weight. And I actually just did an I actually just did another article for Sports Talk Philly that's up there talking about the fit of the offensive players. I did a breakdown of the draft, the offensive players welcome into the team, what you need to know about them and their fit. And I'm doing a defensive piece probably coming up in the next week, looking nice. evaluating the defensive players the same way. And Devonta Smith produced 52% of his college yard yardage after the catch. So you, I, it was simple. It was it's plain and simple to me. Yeah, it was plain and simple to me. Get him the ball early in the route mm-hmm. and get it to him often, and he will pay dividends for sure. I agree. And the I amount agree. he's going to help Jalen Reger, he is going to help Jalen Reger immensely. I think that can't be understated. Jalen Reger was. I don't think Jalen Reger will ever look like the first round pick we want him to be because he's always going to be comp to Justin Jefferson and the situation that happened there. But he can start to look the part of what we invested in him, or at least more the part. I agree. And and the pressure this year will be taken off of, off of him, hopefully. And maybe he'll, he'll be able to show what he was able to do at uh, TCU. And we saw it like a couple of plays last year. He had that 50, what, 58-yard, 50, 58-yard bomb against Washington week one. He had that punt return against Green Bay. Like, So we know he has some explosive ability. So it'll be fun getting to see those two on the field with, you know, with Jalen Hurts, with Miles Sanders, with Dallas Goddard, maybe Zach Hurts. Like, this offense, they have weapons to see the type of offense we're going to run in if they can put it together. All right, so that was our draft portion of it. Let's move to the schedule. The I love schedule release day for the Eagles, by the way, or for the NFL. The NFL makes a show of it. Like, if you if you look at the ratings for the NFL schedule release compared to a basketball game that was played that night, compared to a baseball game that was played that night, the NFL schedule release ratings blew it out the water. Like, they make it – this the NFL is no longer a five-, six-month production. It's a – 12-month, 365-day-year production, and the NFL does a great job of, of making everybody just want it, want, it, want it more. You know, early Wednesday morning, they, they, they showed us week one, so we knew the Eagles were going to Atlanta. And obviously, there are leaks and everything, but 745 comes, the teams get the schedules out, and we know, you know, when the Eagles are going to Vegas, when the Eagles' home opener is, when they face Dallas, when the bye is, what the end of the season looks like. I can't wait. The schedule, the home the home portion of the schedule, Connor, is brutal. San Francisco, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, the Saints, the Chargers, the division games. That is a brutal home stretch. But I have a feeling, looking at the schedule, if they can stay afloat, if they can be two in let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, seven, eleven, twelve, through or through week eleven, because they don't have the bye week until week fourteen. They can be Four and seven by week 11, they have a chance. And you ask me why. The last six games, the Giants, they don't get on the plane after November 14th. The Eagles don't get on a plane again. They host the Saints week 11. That'll be a tough game regardless of who quarterback is. And especially the Saints wanting to come in here for revenge after last year. 
Then they go to the Giants, go to the Jets. Two winnable games. Then they have the bye. If, 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 if say, they're six and seven by that point, you go into the bye with the last four games being all division games. A tough game hosting Washington. A, a, a game, tough game against the Giants, who were living in rent free in the, in the Giants' heads. Another tough game against Washington. So you face the the, the Washington football team two two and two game two times in three weeks, and then you finish off with Dallas. You have an opportunity, and I'm not saying to compete for a Super Bowl, as you had mentioned before, but you have an opportunity to compete for this division title. Um, obviously, things have to flow their way, and hopefully, this is the year we finally don't have the injury bug bite us like it has the last five years. But this schedule at the end of the year is favorable, but that beginning stretch is going to be rough, and we can't we can't do the typical Philadelphia thing if they start you know one and five or whatever it is. We have to. It, it's a process. They're not you know we don't want to call it a rebuild, but that's kind of what they're in. We just have to be patient, as you know all Philadelphia fans are. Yeah, definitely. The start of the season is absolutely going to be tough, especially the feeling out process of, of like, you know, facing Atlanta and, and facing San Fran and how's that linebacker is going to look to cover the likes of Pitts and Kittle. And and then you got the Dallas Cowboys and their offense that is going to throw all day, every day. And what do you do when you're fa- tasked with Blake Jarwin's going to be back? And then you got C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, like, oh, man. That, that start and then you get KC like you're running the gauntlet early on and then you got Carolina and Tampa Bay like your first six weeks are against teams that have multiple like two three four high, like high-end receiving options um so it's gonna be tough like it's a very optimistic outlook that you have for us because I don't think I have that same outlook you're you're running the gauntlet and we need to see how our defense can handle it and what the defense looks like and then what our offense can do and what our offense can produce. I knew this new look offense. I don't know if I trust those four games with with Jalen Hurts because that was on, under the Doug Peterson offense. It's going to be a completely different offense with Nick Sirianni, Devonta Smith, Kenneth Gainwell, different pieces. Is Zach Hurts going to be there? Is he not going to be there? you're optimistic you're optimistic and uh, you know what you want you want to be the optimistic eagles fan and try and paint the picture of four and seven or something and then try and finish strong and try and finish at nine and eight and hope that that's enough to squeeze in with the nfc east but i mean arguably i think we're probably debatable between us and the giants as the worst team in the nfc east i think it's gonna be it it depends on injuries obviously and stuff but basically purely looking on paper you know me I I think Washington's being underrated by people and I I said that at the start last year look what they did this past year and then they just improved the team even more Cowboys are getting Dak Prescott back do they have a defense not a ton of a defense but I mean arguably could be better than our defense so I, I think we're just, it, it's going to be a tough year. I think it's going to be a rough year and we got strap ass seats in. And for the people who are putting like nine and eight and 10 and seven, I would, I would look again. I would double check and I would double look at your schedule. I don't know if we get that. It's, it is going to be tough. And I, I'm not saying it's not going to be tough, but the potential for it to, you know, for things, to, if, if things bounce their way, go their way potential for the last you know 
eight games, six, six games of the year are, it's there, you know, they're winnable games there. Um, you know, if, if you think about it, you think they go say three and three in the division, um, maybe four and two in the division, who knows, you know, winnable games, you know, Carolina's going to be better, but there's, they're, mm, the, the, the Vegas Raiders, they've ever since John Gruden has gone back, they've just been mediocre. The Lions have a new coaching uh, staff, so so we don't know about them. It'd be a tough game, obviously, on the road. The Jets, new coaching staff, new quarterback. We'll see about that. The Chargers coming across the country. So, and going to Denver, that, that, that'll be tough. It's always tough to play at mile high. So we'll, we'll see. But, you know, <clears throat> it's just going to, again, I, I'm thinking positive right now. Things will change when we get to September and we see what the the team looks like what the roster looks like um injuries and all that but like i'm not saying they're gonna go 15 and 2 i'm not saying they're gonna go 10 and 7 but they have an opportunity to win the division seven wins could could easily win the division again it could it could i think realistically we can't we can't just assume that the nfc east is forever going to be bottom feeders where a sub 500 (laughs) record gets you in i think there's there's it, things can turn around and I honestly think that this year like it won't be a sub 500 record and obviously it can't be a 500 record because we don't have that even number of games oh well, yeah you could okay yeah if, if there's a tie if there's a tie we could see it but well we're not from, playing the Bengals this year so we're not going to get a tie <laughs> yeah exactly exactly I mean you never know with the New York Jets or something you could get that type of tie going but like I mean I think you you look I think we can realistically I can see a way that it's a 10 and 7 team winning the division. Like I can see a 10 and a set, 10 and 7, maybe an 11 and 6 if the if the ball goes the right direction for for Washington or, or Dallas on a given week. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more for Dallas. Like, and if that offense can produce more than the defense is given up, I still don't think their defense is good enough. Um, they'll, they'll be able to score. again. We went through this last year. You were talking about Dallas three 1,000 yard receivers. Well, obviously. That got hurt. That kind of changed things. But their defense was a sieve. They still gave up a bunch of points. And I don't like. Are they going to have a, a defense full of linebackers besides Trayvon Diggs, who's questionable? I mean, I guess he's all right. Like they don't really have any corners. Their safeties are mediocre. Um, you know, I think Demarcus Lawrence is overrated. So like. Yeah, they draft Micah Parsons, but he hasn't played in two years. Um, Jabril Cox, who we both were high on, so so we'll see. But like they, it's like they're gonna have Dan Quinn's gonna run a three four, and it seems like they're gonna try to what are they gonna run like a two seven two defense? Uh, I don't know. It, it, we'll see. We'll obviously see, and that's just me nitpicking. Um, you know, trying to talk down on Dallas because I I hate them. But looking at the schedule, um, what game are you looking forward to the most? Um, I mean, seeing Patrick Mahomes, that that's going to be fun. Yeah, seeing Patrick Mahomes is fun. I kind of want to see a healthy San Francisco and if Trey Lance is actually going to be there. Because obviously we know they suffered through torturous injuries. Like, they were worse than us. We were just really bad along the offensive line. They were everywhere. Any key name was pretty much injured. Mm-hmm. So seeing a healthy San Francisco 49ers and seeing what they can really be and what they're really going to look like, because they, they're dangerous. I think they're going to be really scary. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's got to be between those two. Dang. Vegas, baby. I'm go- well. So when this, I knew, you know, knew the Eagles were going to Vegas this year for the Raiders. So my plan has been all along to go out to Vegas. And I, as soon as the schedule came out, I saw the date I requested off of work. So I've I've off that week that weekend uh, of Vegas. So I'm going to be in Vegas. I don't know if I'll be in the game though because looking at ticket prices, it's not as much as uh, Tampa Bay at New England. Which did you see the the lowest ticket price for that game? It's like twelve hundred dollars to get into the get into that game right now. That which also think Tampa Bay at New England is going to be the highest rated football game, highest rated anything of all time, by the way, because of Tom Brady going back against Bill Bill Belichick. But as of right now, I was looking at tickets for Eagles Raiders. I think the lowest ticket was like six hundred bucks. <laughs> I already know I'm spending a couple grand to to go, so I don't know like. It's going to be so many Eagles fans in the area that even if you don't go to the stadium, being at a casino, being at a sports bar, being at something, just being in Vegas for the experience um, is definitely what I'm looking for. So that game is going to be fun. I don't care what anybody says. Um, it could be two really bad teams playing, but the experience, the atmosphere of, of a what is their stadium called? Allegiant? Stadium? Yeah, Allegiant Stadium, man. Um, just just being in there, there is going to be fun. I'm also probably going to the Eagles Jets because it's the weekend uh, after my birthday, and I have a, a a a good friend of mine who's a Jets fan, and he, I still can't believe the Jets have never beaten the Eagles, like never in their franchise's history, zero times to beat Eagles. I'm still shocked at that, by the way. <laughs> and this could be an interesting one. It could be right before the bye, and depending on how the season's going, you're put. This would be the thirteenth game in a row, and depending on how the season goes, you got they could be like both, you know, both teams in general just could be like let's get the season over with. But the Eagles, you know, typically going into the bye, you know, under Andy Reid and under Doug, they were mixed reviews. So by this time, depending on what, if, if they're like three and nine right now. And no shot at the playoffs. They could just be like, let's just get this over with. And that game could be a doldrum. But, I mean, it'll be fun. I, I'm, I'm just excited that we have a schedule. We know when they're playing, who they're playing. And we know the location. And I can't wait for September 12th to get here. Definitely, I agree. I mean, like I like we started the show off with, like it smells like football's in the air, but it's nothing like getting into August and getting towards like the preseason games and the actual games. So I, I agree. I, I'm pumped for that. I'm ready for football again. All right. So if you had to do a prediction right now, before you know, mini rookie minicamp jump start just starting before the entire team gets together. What do you think the Eagles record is going to be? Seven and ten. Seven and ten. Seven? Not bad. I, I still think seven and ten has the potential. I'm not saying it will be, but has the potential to to still be in contention for the division. Um, it's just it's that gauntlet at the start that burns us. Like I, I like weeks one through week six, I see us coming out with one win, and the crap, the uh, Eagles fan base and media just tearing. Jalen Hurts and everything, so I well, like I could see one and five there. Jalen Hurts could be playing well, but the defense could be not not be playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we'll see. And 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 again, that's kind of the things that we're gonna have to look this year. Are the Eagles losing games because the offense isn't moving the ball? 
and it's because of the quarterback? Are the Eagles losing games because the defense can't stop anybody? Or is it just because of injuries? Like, that's where we're going to have to determine what the Eagles will do with their three first-round picks next year. There's also, in the back of our minds, and I know you hate when I bring this up, but by by September, could the Eagles have a new quarterback? And I'm talking about Deshaun Watson, because if that gets cleared up, which there's been no talk of it, which tells me that behind the scenes something is happening, whether it's settlements, whether something it's getting cleared up and Deshaun is going to be ruled eligible to play this year. Howie Roseman, you know, there's all this talk and there's been report after report week after week of the Eagles being linked to Deshaun Watson. He can make a big difference because Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in this league. And if you get, if if you go from Jalen Hurts to Deshaun Watson, that could add a couple of wins to you. So that'll be an interesting story to see to play out over the next couple of of months. Oh yeah, if we have a new quarterback in the room, then <laughs> absolutely. And it, and his name is is Deshaun Watson, a hundred percent. Seven and ten can easily flip to ten and seven mm-hmm. easily. He is that good. Um, obviously, you know, I don't think that wanna... gets us like a like I don't think that gets us a Super Bowl. Like I think we're more than a quarterback away, and that's. That remains my concern, but you know that that's a difference maker. That swings you and the pendulum big time in yeah, that, for uh, two, three, four wins at least. Exactly, and he's still young. He's 24, so and he has his contract now. So, like, if you were to make that trade, and you probably have to give up a couple of first-round picks next year or whatnot, but, like, you know you wouldn't have to invest future draft capital that you're not trading away into a quarterback. You can go and get some corners – get some defensive line help, get, you know, some weapons for him, more weapons for him on the offensive side of the ball. And that will be like, that would be huge um, to know that you have. And and the same thing could go for Jalen Hurts. If you don't, if you keep Jalen Hurts, he's the starter and he plays well. And you have those three first round picks. As I mentioned before, if he plays well, you wouldn't have to invest any of those three first round picks into a quarterback. You could build around him. So that's key, you know, for him. And for this team this year, you know, we have to we have to be realistic that this isn't a Super Bowl caliber team. They might they probably won't win the division, but they have to build for the future. And you have to do that by seeing if you have the right quarterback uh, on your roster. Agreed. All right. So we know it's been a while. We appreciate everybody uh, hanging in there and and, you know, listening to the Kelly Green Hour. We definitely appreciate it. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. That's Connor T-E-N. And follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell54. You know, reach out to us if you have any questions you want us to discuss on the next episode. Um, you know, once rookie camp is over and we get into mini camps, if the guys show up, we'll definitely have more shows, you know, discussing what we see. The outlook of of you know the players once the full team gets together. And, and seeing what the offense looks like, seeing what the defense looks like. Um, it, it's definitely going to be fun as we go through the summer, through training camp, and we get to the preseason, which there are only three preseason games um, now that this the regular season is at 17 games. As always, please rate and review our show wherever you're listening to us. Uh, give us that five-star rating if we're doing well. Um, and, you know, reach out through the, the Kelly Green Hour um, you know, just, you can DM us and uh, we will definitely, you know, get back to you 
Uh, we always work to try to get, you know, guests on the show. Um, we'll probably have, you know, probably Josh from the missing link. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's out in Denver now too. And the Eagles go to Denver. So we know he'll definitely be out at that game. Uh, so he's already bought his tickets. I'm pretty sure. Um, so to, to root on the Eagles at, at mile high before Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you as always for listening to the Kelly green hour. Thank you.